Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, uh, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and uh, become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radio detectives. Well, before we do get started, I want to encourage you to pick up the... Uh, ebooks that uh, we've uh, put out here. Uh, we have the most recent one is What Made the Golden Age Shine? Uh, in in it, I take a look at what truly makes Golden Age Entertainment uh, so wonderful and uh, why I am interested in it and enjoy it. You know, it's a question I get asked a lot uh, because of my age and uh, I think we give a pretty interesting answer here and, I ho- and I'd encourage you to pick that up uh, it's a, that one is available for the Kindle. We also have my previous ebook, All I Needed to Know, uh, Learn from Columbo, in which we examine the uh, life and uh, history of seven great detectives, as well as life lessons that can be drawn from their careers. That one is available for the Kindle, as well as the Nook and iPad, and any other uh, format you can uh, download direct from smashwords.com. And we also have an audiobook version now of All I Needed to Know I Learned from Columbo. All right, well, now it's time for today's episode of Sherlock Holmes, The Six Napoleons. The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. The original and immortal stories of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, dramatized anew, with Sir Ralph Richardson as Dr. Watson and Sir John Gielgud in the role of Sherlock Holmes. I think I remember the six Napoleons, mainly because it was such a triumph for my friend Sherlock Holmes. The one time when his old rival, Lestrade of Scotland Yard, unashamedly spoke his praise. It hadn't always been like that, of course. In the early days, Lestrade had more than once been inclined to jeer at my friend's original methods. But by the time of this particular adventure, he'd lost some of his old enmity. He'd taken to looking in in the evening at Baker Street and talking about old times and generally keeping Holmes up to date in everything that was going on at police headquarters. But this particular evening, as Holmes improvised on his violin, Lestrade fell curiously silent and puffed thoughtfully at his cigar for a moment or two. (laughs) 
David? Hmm? Uh, Anything <clears throat> remarkable on hand? Oh, no. Nothing in particular, you know, Mr. Holmes. Oh, just so. Then hadn't you better tell me all about it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I suppose there's no use denying it. Except that it's such a peculiar business, and I'd hardly wanted to bother you with it, Mr. Holmes. In fact, it's really more in the doctor's line than ours, I suppose. Oh, really? What? What, some illness of some kind? Mental illness. Madness, at the very least. And a queer kind of madness at that. Really? Now, you wouldn't think there was anyone living in this day and age who must hate old Napoleon so much that he smashes to bits any image of him he can lay hands on. A, a hatred of Napoleon? Uh, well, that's a very curious obsession, sir. <laughs> yes. Hardly in my line, by the sound of it. Watson, I defer to you. Thank you. Yes, but uh, the only thing is, of course... Well, what, Lestrade, you're still chewing, you know. Uh, well, this maniac fellow adds a bit of burglary, too, do you see? Burglary, So eh? he can get hold of these images he wants to smash. Oh, really? You just pass the tobacco, would you, my dear fellow? Yes, of course. Thank you. It, it must be Napoleon, I take it, Lestrade? Well, it seems so, Doctor. First case came in four days ago. Shop of a man called Morse Hudson who sells pictures and statuettes and such in the Kennington Road. The assistant was in the back shop and he heard a sudden smash and when he rushed through, somebody had thrown down a plaster bust of Napoleon and broken into smithereens. Oh, valuable? No, worth a few shillings maybe, not much more. Oh. Anyway, the shop fellow ran out to the street but there wasn't any trace of anybody by that time. But something's happened since, obviously. Yes, last night. There's a well-known doctor called Barnicott who lives only about a couple of hundred yards from Miss Morse Hudson's shop. Yes, yes, I've heard of him. One of the biggest practices south of the Thames, they say. Yeah. He's a bit of a collector, too, isn't he? Antiques and so forth. Huh? Same man, gentlemen. <laughs> well, he'd got hold of a couple of plaster casts of the famous head of Napoleon by some French sculptor or other called Devine. He put one of them in the hall of his private house and the other in his surgery at Lower Brixton. And when he came down this morning, Doctor... Huh? House burgled. And yet there wasn't a thing taken but the bust from the hall. Good gracious. And believe it or not, it had been carried outside and smashed against the garden wall, same as the other one in the shop. <laughs> ah, this is certainly very novel, Lestrade. <laughs> I thought it would please you, Mr. Holmes. And it isn't the end yet, either. The other bust, in the surgery. Exactly the same, Doctor. Smashed to smithereens in the place where it stood... Dr. Barnacott discovered it the minute he opened the door. And that's the whole story, Mr. Holmes, as far as it goes. Oh, well, it's curious, certainly. Now, Watson, come, pray give us your diagnosis. There are no limits, my dear Holmes, to the possibilities of monomania. A man who'd read deeply about Napoleon, for example, or a man who'd received some hereditary family injury through the Peninsular War, for instance. I mean, a man like that very well might conceive some kind of obsession. Come, 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 my dear Watson. Uh, well, considering how many examples of Napoleon's busts there must be, no amount of monomania would explain why such a promiscuous iconoclast should chance to begin on three examples by the same sculptor. Huh? As I take it, Lestrade, these three are all copies of the same original and all bought at this man Hudson's shop. Every one, Mr. Holmes. Identical. Uh -huh. Why, then, the fellow may have an obsession against the sculptor. Possibly. Yet even if it is madness, there's still method in it. You see, he carefully takes the bus that was in the house outside to smash it because a noise might have wakened the people upstairs. 
But in the other case, he smashes the bust in the surgery just where it stands. Oh, really, Poo-Poo, that's too trifling, my oh, dear Holmes. One never Holmes. knows, you... Watson. One can never be quite sure. Some of my most classic cases have had the least promising beginnings. Yes, but you... You'll c- remember how that dreadful business of the Abernethy family was first brought to my notice by the depth to which the parsley had sunk into the butter on a very hot day. But, Mr. Holmes, we can't... another cigar, my dear fellow, and ring for some whiskey and soda. I have a notion that we may hear more of our friend of the statue. And we did, of course, or there would be no story to tell. Next morning, as we finished breakfast, a telegram arrived from Lestrade himself. Come instantly, 131 Pitt Street, Kensington. With Holmes' usual energy, we did go, instantly. There, we found the railings outside the house all lined by a curious crowd. By George Watson, it must be attempted murder at the very least. There's nothing else will hold the interest of the London messenger boy. There's the street waiting for us, Holmes. Morning, Inspector. Morning, gentlemen. Come in, come in. Yes, Napoleon business again, Mr. Holmes. Aha, I guessed as much. What is it this time, Lestrade? Murder, sir. Splendid. Do close the door, my dear Watson. Yes, yes. This confounded crowd. Uh, This is Mr. Horace Harker, gentlemen, the owner of this house. Mr. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson, Mr. Harker. Good morning, sir. How do you do, sir? Mr. Harker's a reporter for the Central Press Syndicate, Mr. Holmes. I've gathered so much already, Lestrade. Well, Mr. Harker, will you kindly tell us exactly what has happened? Well, uh, I'll do my best, sir. It it, it all seems to centre around a a bust of Napoleon I I bought for this very room about about four months ago. Mm -hmm. Where did you buy it, Mr. Harker? What? Oh, uh, um, Harding Brothers, you know, a few doors up from, from the High Street Station. I don't know what that's got to do with it. Anyway, uh, m- most of my writing work's done at night, you know. <laughs> Habit of mine. And I-, I was sitting upstairs in my den about three o'clock this morning when, when I suddenly heard the most horrible yell from down here. Oh, the most dreadful sound, Mr. Holmes. Plainly news on your own doorstep, Mr. Harker. <laughs> As a reporter, I should have thought you would have welcomed such a diversion. <laughs> oh, I couldn't. I was too unnerved. I don't mind telling you. I see. Anyway, I, I, I pulled myself together a bit and, and I got hold of a poker and, and, and came down. And when I got in here, the window was open, sir. And the first thing I saw was that the Napoleon bust had gone from the mantelpiece. Mm, intriguing. Most intriguing. I'm sure my monomaniac here is the only possible one, Holmes. Yes, 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 of course. And the murder, Mr. Harker. Well, I, I, I rushed to the front door and, and threw it open and, and there... On, on the doorstep. Well? I, I nearly fell over. A dead man who was lying there. Good gracious me. Yes, he, he had a great gash in his throat and, and the whole place was swimming in blood. But who was this murdered man? You, you've made inquiries, Lestrade. Of course. There's nothing to show who he was. We've got the body in the mortuary. You can see it if you want. What does he look like? Tall, thin, sunburnt, poorly dressed. Artisan of some kind, I'd say. Obviously a foreigner. There wasn't any name on his clothing, and there was nothing in his pockets except an apple and some string and a shilling map of London and a man's photograph. Here it is, Mr. Holmes. Aha. Uh-huh. Plainly not a picture of the fellow himself, judging by your description. What do you make of this, Watson? Oh, uh, let's see. Mm-hmm. Well, somewhat, somewhat Simeon in type, eh? Yes. Thick eyebrows, you see, Holmes? Very peculiar projection on the lower part of the face. Hmm. Altogether, I should say, southern European, I'd guess. Admirable, Watson. And the bustless trade. What happened to Mr. Harker's bust of Napoleon? We had news of it five minutes before you came. Smashed to smithereens in the front garden of an empty house in Camden Hill Road. Uh-huh. I'm going round to see it now. 
Want to come? Well, of course, of course. We leave you in peace now, Mr. Harker. I'm sure you must be impatient to write up your own story for one of your newspapers. Oh, it's, it's too late now, I'm afraid. The first edition's probably out with it already. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> Just my luck. Oh, but perhaps a cup of tea. I've been too confused to write, to write a thing so far. Well, at any rate, you must try. And you can quote me if you like. Say that I believe my friend Watson's theory is almost certainly the right one. Ah, my dear Holmes, you really think yes, that... He is convinced uh, that the crime was the work of a dangerous homicidal lunatic with Napoleonic delusions. Oh, oh, <laughs> thank you, Mr. Holmes. Uh, homicidal... Yes, I could certainly use that. <laughs> you, uh, you really do believe it, Holmes. Why not, Watson? Why not? It'll serve for the moment and for the press. Come, Lestrade, let us view the remains. Ah, yes, the body, Mr. Holmes. No, 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 the busts. I propose to indulge in a little jigsaw work. You see, if all the fragments fit together to make the head complete again... What then, Holmes? Well, I may be able to... Uh, well, you and I will have some interesting work to do, Watson. Good morning, Mr. Harker. Come, gentlemen. With some little trouble, Holmes succeeded in reconstructing the whole bust from the splinters scattered over the garden of that empty house. Why he did this, I didn't know. Lestrade and I, obediently but mystified, fetched and carried at his direction. Holmes' face was enigmatic as he and I next drove to the premises of Morse Hudson, the supplier of the first three busts that had been broken. From him, we learnt the name of the original manufacturers of the articles, Messrs. Gelder and Company of Stepney. In rapid succession, we drove through the fringe of fashionable London, theatrical London, literary London, commercial London, and finally, maritime London, where the tenement houses swelter and reek with the outcasts of Europe. There, in a side street, we found the statuette factory, and we learnt from the proprietor. Oh, but there's thousands, Mr. Holmes. We took thousands of casts for the Divine Napoleon. I've no doubt it's a noble work, but this batch of six, noted down in these books of yours which I have before me, you see the entries, Watson, all dated about a year ago. Yes, and marked in two consignments. Yes, one set of three to Morse Hudson. And the other three to Harding Brothers of Kensington. Ah, who does the casting work on these statuettes of yours, Mr. Gilder? We're usually Italians, Mr. Holmes. We find they work well. Uh -huh. And do you recognize this particular Italian, this obvious Italian? Watson, pray show him the photograph that Lestrade gave us. Yes, yes, yes. Here, here it is. Ah, the rascal. Beppo. Beppo, indeed. Well, what was his other name? I never knew it, even though he used to work here. Oh, he was a madman, sir. I never knew a man with such a temper. He knifed another Italian in the street one day, and then he came running into the works with the police on his heels, and they arrested him in this very workroom. Well, and what sentence did he get? The man he attacked lived, and so he got off with a year. Uh-huh. I must be out by now, of course. If you wanted to know where he is, we have a cousin of his here who could tell no, you. No, 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 not a word to the cousin, I beg of you. No? The matter's most important, Mr. Gelder. Indeed, the further I go with it, the more important it seems to grow. Watson, my dear fellow, where have you got to? Are you ready? Yes, 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 I'm here, Holmes. I was just... Well, come um... along, come along. There's no time to lose. I don't think we need intrude upon you then anymore, Mr. Gelder. I'm much obliged to you. I'm not at all. Only too glad to help you. Uh -huh. 
We have one more visit to make, Watson, to Harding Brothers back in Kensington, then luncheon, I suggest, and a telegram to Lestrade to come to Baker Street this evening, and then, Watson... Uh, and then, Holmes? Yeah, well, that invaluable army revolver of yours may once more be pressed into service, old friend. Indeed? We have some dangerous work ahead of us, if I'm not mistaken. There are two of them still at large. Two criminals, Holmes? No, no, only one criminal. But two busts of Napoleon, my dear Watson. Come along! And so, as always, I had to be content. Sherlock Holmes was at his most mysterious, and I knew so well how dearly he loved the mystery and would tell me nothing of his conclusions until his own time was ripe. I waited as best I could. Yet, as the slow, late summer day wore on, I felt a constantly rising excitement within me, and I saw that Holmes, too, was febrile and impatient. Until at last, in response to our telegram, the good Lestrade appeared. Ah, Lestrade, my dear Lestrade, you weren't busy, I hope. Busy, Mr. Holmes. I'm always busy. It's our motto at the yard. Of course. You'll be happy to hear, by the way, that I've solved our mystery. What? You have? Of course. We have our methods, too, you know. I've identified the dead man. My dear Lestrade. Oh, yes, Doctor. We've an inspector who makes a speciality of Saffron Hill on the Italian quarter. And he knew our corpse the minute he set eyes on him. His name was Pietro Venucci. From Naples, he was. And he was one of the most notorious cutthroats in London. Venucci, the last link. He was connected with the old secret society of the Mafia, you see. And it's perfectly clear that he must have broken the rules in some way, so this fellow of the photograph is sent to kill him. Or even perhaps the other way round. You know how fiendish they are in these vendetta things. At any rate, one is shadowing the other. There's a scuffle outside Harker's house, and in the struggle, Venucci gets his death wound. <laughs> How's that, Mr. Holmes? <laughs> perfect, perfect. I confess it seems to hang together admirably. Uh, except, of course, for Napoleon. Ah, the busts are only a coincidence. We're on the murderer's trail, of course, as I expect you are too from your war. So all we need to do is to make our way to the Italian quarter, where I've no doubt we'll be able to find him. No, 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 my dear fellow, Chiswick. Chiswick's a highly respectable residential district. Ah, and therefore the most likely neighbourhood for spectacular happenings. If you've ever trusted me before, my dear Lestrade, trust me now. I'll promise to go with you tomorrow to the Italian quarter if I fail you. Now, for your part, come with Watson and me tonight to Chiswick. Is that a bargain? Well, I take you on trust, Mr. Holmes. You do very wisely. You'll have dinner with us first, Lestrade. Oh, now, that's very nice. Have you ordered the four-wheeler, Watson? For eleven, to take us over to be on the other side of Hammersmith Bridge. Good, good. And you have the address, of course, the one we got from the fellow at Harding Brothers. Yes, yes. Laburnum Lodge, Laburnum Vale, Chiswick. Admirable. You never fail me, Watson. Oh, would you pass me my hunting crop there, Lestrade? Uh, is it? Yeah, thank you. The handle is weighted with lead, the most useful weapon, as I've proved before. Now, let us address ourselves to the important process of nutrition. It may be a long time before we eat again. More the Helms, the Neves. Ah, Laburnum Lodge. Well, Holmes, 
Here we are. Excellent. And with this particularly tall fence for our concealment. They've gone to bed, it seems. Whole place is in darkness. Mm, I sent Mr. Brown a personal message asking him to cooperate. Mr. Brown? Mr. Josiah Brown, Miss Trade, whose name we obtained as the purchaser of the fifth Napoleon. Oh, you and your Napoleons, Mr. Holmes. I've told you that all that part of it's only coincidence. It's this mafia business that's the real crux. Well, well, if you say so, Lestrade. Now then, Watson, do you crouch down here, uh, close to the hedge? Uh, you better lie down in the long grass, Watson, here. Yes. And, uh, uh, Lestrade, you stay here beside me. Yes. Good, good. Look there, Mr. Holmes. The open window. What? Huh. Huh. Not so long after all, then. Yes, that's him. He must have been inside when we arrived. Our luck's in. There's a light there. Flickering. Do you see? Yes, we've got him. And in respectable Chiswick, too, Lestrade. He's climbing out. Oh, thank heaven for the moonlight. Look, he's carrying something white under his arm. Ah, the fifth Napoleon. No, wait, Lestrade. Wait, wait, man. Let's see what he does. He's coming closer, do you see? He stopped there by the street lamp. Holmes, I do believe he's going to... He's going to... Exactly. Smashed to smithereens like all the others. And while he's busy examining it, Lestrade... Hold him! Watson! After me! Hey! Hey! Let me go! Uh, what do you want, Dad? Let me... I'm not jacking with the water, man! All right, hold him. I've got him. I've got him. Watch out, Lestrade. You've got a knife. Ah, no, you don't, my duty, huh? Come down, man. Take your wrist, Doctor. There, that's Ah, he's safe enough now, I reckon. What's your name, my man? Won't speak, eh? His name's Beppo Lestrade. At least if I follow Holmes right. Holmes, didn't you say that? Oh, good heavens, where is he? Holmes! All Holmes. right, Watson, I'm over here with the bust. Ah, well, Lestrade, you've got him then. For my own part, I've been attending to our friend the good Napoleon. But with no good results so far, I fear... It seems the final secret still eludes us. Upon my soul, Mr. Holmes, you beat me. You do, really. Still harping on about these statues. Yes, I'm almost one of Watson's monomaniacs on the subject, Lestrade. Of a cinnamon libre. Oh, will you please take the prisoner to Bow Street now, Lestrade? Sure. And if you'll kindly come round to Baker Street at about six o'clock tomorrow evening, I think I shall then be able to show you that even now you've not grasped the entire meaning of this affair. Come, Watson, come back to Baker Street in our four-wheeler. What time is it, Watson? Uh, six o'clock, Holmes. And here comes our man, dead on time. Ah, Lestrade, good evening to you. Good evening, good evening. Well, Mr. Holmes, you were right, of course. Of course, of course. I mean about the fellow Beppo. I've been able to check everything. Other name unknown, pretty celebrated as a ne'er-do-well in the Italian colony, Temper of the Fiend. Used to be a successful sculptor, but fell in evil ways. Watson, that's the street bell, I believe. Ah, yes, and I hear footsteps on the staircase. Would you prepare to receive our visitor? Certainly, Holmes, certainly. Ah, good evening, sir. Mr. Sandiford of Reading, I suppose. Uh, yes, sir. Mr. Sherlock Holmes is expecting me. I had a letter from him by special messenger. Yes, yes, come in, Mr. Sandiford. This is Mr. Holmes here. Good evening, sir. Let me, let me take your bag. Carefully, carefully, I beg you, my dear Watson. That bag contains the whole object of our search. Uh, that's right, isn't it, Mr. Sandiford? Uh, well, if you mean the Napoleon bust, yes, it does, sir. Uh, 
It beats me how you knew I had one. Well, we had your name from Mr. Harding of Harding Brothers, Mr. Sandiford. He told us that they'd sold you their last copy and they gave us your address. Yes, quite so. Now then, sir, uh, do you agree to my terms as I set them out in my letter? Well, you said you'd be prepared to pay me ten pounds for it. Ten pounds it is, Mr. Sandford. Oh, I'm an honest man, Mr. Holmes. Of course, the money attracts me, but uh, I think you ought to know I only paid fifteen shillings for it. I've named my price, Mr. Sandford, and I intend to stick to it. There you are, sir. Ten pounds. Yes, and in return, I shall only ask you to sign this paper in the presence of these witnesses. It's simply to say that you transfer all possible rights you ever had in the purchase to me. Thank you so much. Good evening, Mr. Sandiford. The landlady downstairs will show you out. Oh, I'm much obliged to you, I'm sure, Mr. Holmes. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. Good evening. Now, what's now, Lestrade? The bust on the table there, and my celebrated loaded hunting crop in my hand, and... So! Holmes! Great heavens, sir! Holmes, what are you doing? Do you see? There, the perfect hiding place. That's what I was looking for when I fitted the other bust together in the garden. See, that fragment that was the emperor's ear, embedded like a plum in a pudding? Let me introduce you, gentlemen, to the famous black pearl of the Borgias. Nothing less. What? Well, well bravo, Holmes. Bravo, sir. Bless <laughs> my soul. Bravo, bravo indeed. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. But what made you link it all together, Holmes? Elementary, my dear Watson. You'll remember, Lestrade, that at the time when the pearl disappeared, some suspicion fell on the princess's maid, who was an Italian girl named... Uh, Venucci, of course. Lucrezia Venucci. It was believed that she had a brother in London who worked with her as a jewel thief. The fellow who was murdered two nights ago. As you say, Watson... I then recollected that the pearl had disappeared just two days before the arrest of the man Beppo for some crime of violence. Huh. The police were after him. He had the pearl in his possession. He may have stolen it from Venucci, or he may even have been Venucci's confederate. At any event, before the police arrived, he hid it in the only place he could think of in the moment. One of the wet plaster casts of a Napoleon head, which were at that moment being moulded in the factory. And he's been in prison for a year. Just so... And when he came out, he found from his cousin in the factory where that consignment of that day's Napoleons had gone. And somehow or other traced the address of each purchaser. But how did he run across Venucci again? Ah, we'll never know that, Lestrade, unless he decides to talk. I take it that they may have quarreled if they were Confederates, or that Venucci was out for revenge if Beppo had stolen the gem from him. At any rate, he also got on the trail. They met outside Harker's house. There was a scuffle... And behold, your murderless trade. And you knew the pearl must be in the Sandiford bust, Holmes. Well, naturally, when I saw last night that it wasn't in the fifth one at Liburnum Lodge. Huh. I wrote to Mr. Sandiford, as you know, bought the pearl in your presence from the owner for ten pounds, and there it lies in all its glory. Well, I've seen you handle a good many cases, Mr. Holmes, but I don't know that I ever knew a more workmanlike one than that. We're not jealous of you at the Scotland Yard. Oh, no, sir. We're very proud of you. And if you come down tomorrow, there's not a man, from the oldest inspector to the youngest constable, who wouldn't be glad to shake you by the hand. Thank you, Lestrade. Thank you. And as he played that evening... With Lestrade's tribute still ringing in his ears, it seemed to me, who knew him so well, 
as he was more nearly moved by the softer emotions than I'd ever seen him. So ended, then, the case of the six Napoleons in the year 1900, when I was back once more, after the death of my wife, in those old rooms in Baker Street, which I shared with the man I most revered in all the world, Mr. Sherlock Holmes. The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, based on the original stories of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, have been dramatized anew with original music composed by Sidney Torch. Sir Ralph Richardson played the part of Dr. Watson, and Sir John Gilgood that of Sherlock Holmes. The program was produced by Harry Allen Towers. Welcome back. Well, another um, of what I think are the, the greatest uh, home stories uh, played to absolute um, uh, perfection by our stars. Uh, really, the, the, the Six Napoleons is just such a great mystery um, and such a great home story because things turn out almost exactly the opposite of um, what uh, Watson and Lestrade uh, were thinking at the uh, beginning. And I just love the way this turns. You know, there's so much, um, you know, it's just uh, so much that makes you marvel at uh, Holmes. And that that can make just for the best uh, type of Holmes story. All right, well, uh, we turn now listener comments and feedback, and uh, I'll actually start with Michael, who sent me a, a, a comment through Facebook uh, that uh, kind of covers some things I was going to talk about. So I'll go ahead and read what he had to say. I love the new Sherlock Holmes uh, episodes. Rathbone Holmes has always bothered me, mostly because of his belligerence towards Watson. Treating him like a complete buffoon. I don't remember the books being that way, but it has been several years since I've read one. It never made sense to me that someone would recount the memoirs of another who had treated him so callously. Gilgood is Holmes is brilliant and works wonderfully with Richard Watson's. He's incisive, but not at Watson's expense. This seems like a true team. That Watson would follow the exploits of the mastermind detectives makes total sense in these episodes. Thanks for bringing them uh, into your program. Well, thanks, Michael. Um, I wouldn't go as far to say that the um, Rathbone 
Holmes was uh, too hard on Watson. What to me make the made the Rathbone Bruce uh, stories work both on radio and the movie is the real chemistry uh, between the actors, and I didn't think that um, with Rathbone uh, p- with Rathbone uh, playing Holmes that he uh, or. I don't think he ever or rarely ever uh, went too far um, in kind of poking fun at Watson and, and that sort of thing. Um, I do think that as this passed from Tom Conway to John Stanley, uh, you kind of had this um, real focus on Holmes as uh, kind of a, um, you know, kind of just a, Showing off on the police and, you know, looking down on basically everyone. Uh, what you get here is a lot more, uh, ref- refreshing, um, with the John Stanley, not John Stanley, but the John Gilgood version of, of Holmes. Now, obviously, particularly we, we take this case we just listened to, um, you know, obviously, he was on the right trail, at least knowing that it wasn't some really bizarre uh, fixation on Napoleon. But he didn't have the sense that he had to, um, you know, butt heads with the police and uh, be difficult with Lestrade and Watson. He just, you know, kind of played along and bided his time, waited for the evidence to come forward and really just gives you an entirely different feel than, you know, in John Stanley episodes where it's, uh, again, you know, much more belligerent towards the police, much more belligerent towards Watson right from the beginning. And I, to be honest, I have been reading through the books kind of as we've listened to the show. I've read through all of them now. Uh, except for, uh, except for the casebook of Sherlock Holmes. And it really, uh, when I read the stories, it has much more the feel of the, these Gilgood episodes, where Holmes is a lot more good-natured and less, um, bitingly sarcastic. He does have his moments, but I think other adaptations have kind of overemphasized those moments. So, Thanks so much uh, for your comments, Michael. Joel says, um, I'm enjoying these uh, performances. Such distinguished actors do a great job. And I don't miss the commercials for Clippercraft Close. Um, and uh, Patricia says, wow, we never heard this one. Thought we had heard them all through the years. What a wonderful surprise. Well, I hope uh, maybe we'll surprise you a little bit more when we get to the end of the program. Uh, in the series, uh, we also have a tweet, uh, from, uh, Lexi who writes, are you going to do the Basil Rathbone and Nigel, uh, Bruce ones again? Uh, great question. Um, we're going to look a little bit in season five at doing, um, uh, at doing one repeat of a series, though it's going to be quite a bit shorter. Uh, then, uh, the, about, about a year's worth of, uh, Basil Rathbone, Nigel Bruce material we have, and it'll tie into another show that, uh, we're doing. Um, 
but um in terms of in terms of doing a longer show again you know, i definitely um i think I, I like the rathbone bruce episodes i definitely wouldn't want to do all of sherlock holmes again um but i would consider i, I would consider at some point redoing the uh, Rathbone Bruce episodes, but it'd have to be quite a ways down the road. Um, taking a year's, you know, time to go through uh, uh, episodes we've already played through isn't something I'd take a look at now uh, when we have so many series, I think 50-odd uh, programs that uh, we still haven't gotten to yet. But maybe in a few years, who knows? Um, thanks so much for the question. Uh, that will actually do it for today. Join us tomorrow. We'll be bringing you a new Carter Brown uh, mystery starting and the end of the Lorco Diamond Matter on yours truly, Johnny Dollar. In the meanwhile, send your comments to Box13 at GreatDetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and uh, become one of our friends on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.